Charlie Munger, one of the smartest business people to ever live, died this week at 99 years old. Given how brilliant and generous he was in teaching, I thought it'd be appropriate to remember Mr. Munger by sharing the two greatest lessons I think he shared for us small business owners. Stay tuned to hear what they are. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So if you don't know, Charlie Munger uh, died this week. Uh, he was 99 years old. He was a He's known as Warren Buffett's right-hand man which um, I'm not sure how how accurate that is. He's a major player in Berkshire Hathaway, the company that Warren Buffett, of course, uh, has built. Uh, both Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger were from Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Charlie grew up in the Great Depression, in, in the you know, of course, in Nebraska when he was young. And to be clear, he was rarely, if ever, speaking to p- small business owners. We did the tons of, of speaking, like he has famous speeches he did at Harvard and uh, he did tons of interviews in tons of different formats and settings. He's got a, a, there's a, just a huge variety of things on YouTube and other places you can see videos he's done. I I think he's just a, he's a super smart guy, but uh, tons of wisdom, great sense of humor, very pragmatic. Again, he grew up in the, in the press, you know, in the dust bowl, essentially during the depression um, huge proponent of avoiding risk. He shared so much. I mean, he was just a uh, completely an open book on business. Essentially, you know, that anyone listening would be able to come up with their own versions of what they thought the best things he ever shared. Where this isn't, this isn't. Um, I'm not intending this episode to be the the two things that I think are the most important things he said. I just think they're like two of the greatest lessons for small business owners that, that at least that resonate with me. And so it could just be because these are these are things I value more than other folks do, or who knows. Um, I just I think he was such a a smart person, and I don't know that there's a ton more people. There's a there's a handful of people who are like this who just openly give their knowledge to anyone who will listen. He's just he's just a guy who um, would share tremendous amounts of knowledge and not really expect anything back. And I just, I think he was a great guy. Um, so without much further explanation, uh, and real quick, I mean, he's like a multi-billionaire. Right? Berkshire Hathaway is just, you know, again, it's Warren Buffett's company. It's, it's, it's worth an immense amount of money. They're the biggest shareholder in companies like Coca-Cola and Geico and uh, other household names. And um, they built a tremendous empire. And he talks about in these things, not not just, you know, how financing works on Wall Street, but he talks about things that are practical for all of us. So one of the, the, the first of the two things I'm going to talk about today is he described continuing education and continuing learning 
as not only as an imperative, but a moral duty, which is an interesting way to put that. Uh, he, he, I've literally heard him use the words, it's a moral duty to not um, allow yourself to be ignorant. And I think he says his grandfather considered it a moral duty to not allow yourself to be stupid, I think is what it, how he puts it. But he was a voracious reader. I think he's known for reading like a book a day or <laughs> five books a week or a, 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 tr- a tremendous amount of of time and energy and effort put into just consuming information to just get better. I can hardly recall a time I listened to him talk where he didn't speak about the absolute necessity of gaining new knowledge and skills. And in previous roles I've had, as well as my current role, I can tell you that I've learned that there's a tremendous gap in outcomes and potential outcomes between those who want to learn to be better and those who want others to be better. I'm going to pause there for a second and, and kind of reiterate this. There's a, there's a tremendous difference between people who are interested in becoming better and people who expect others to be better. And we see this in small companies because there's not very many people. So if you only have 40 people or 20 people or, you know, eight people around, you can, it doesn't take long to figure out who is expected to get better and who isn't. And I can just tell you from, from where I've been around very successful people as peers, as business owners, and, and now in my, in my role of helping business owners, uh, the ones who embrace personally gaining knowledge, personally gaining new skills and implementing those skills and utilizing those skills and that knowledge, the outcomes they get are off the charts different than people who say, yeah, that's all great stuff, but the employees really need to figure this out or whatever. <laughs> um, we hear say sayings like, you know, what got me here won't get me there. Like we're, the skills that got me to where I am today are great, but they're not the same skills that will get me where I want to go. But the true difference from my perspective is between those who seek to gain knowledge with the purpose of utilizing this new knowledge to make real improvements to move forward versus those who gain knowledge so they can proclaim to be right or have superior knowledge to others. Those are very different uses for this knowledge. So it's kind of like the, the you know, again, these are, this is not a new concept. The thing I'm talking about today is not a new concept at all. It's been around for thousands of years, I'm sure. Um, but there's a difference between learning to, to gain new skills and get better versus learning in the hopes of being validated. I think that's a common way that that's discussed as well. And you've heard me talk about coming to my own conclusion myself at one time that I had a, I had a choice and it kind of hit me like a two by four upside the head because I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, a stubborn, uh, hard headed person at times. And it became clear, like, look, look, dude, you can either be successful or you can be right. But those two things are not always on the same path. And it's important that we understand when we're, when we're trying to be better so we can be successful. And when we have an expectation that other folks just kind of figure it out. And in small businesses, it's, it's a, it's a challenge because we have to rely on other people to do things, but there's a difference between relying on people to do things because we're helping set them up for success versus we expect them to figure it out because it shouldn't be my problem. And, and, that is something that is just, again, it's not a business owner problem. It's a human problem. <laughs> and many of the problems that are human problems manifest themselves uh, um, quite spectacularly when you're a small business owner. 
And I think this is one of them. So um, people I, I am friends with who have very successful businesses have similar stories. A friend of mine tells me how he started his business and he, and he was a very small company himself and a couple of employees for many years. And he was just kind of set in his ways and he was very rigid on how he did things. And finally he had an epiphany much like I did. And he finally said, this is silly. Like there's people who have this figured out <laughs> when I listen to them, they're trying to help me. And I keep telling them, no, I'm going to do it my way and I can do it my way or I can, I can do it their way. And their way is clearly producing better results. So why am I, why am I resisting this? And I think for many of us, we have to have, you know, it takes what it takes for us to, to have that epiphany. It certainly took uh, a great deal of frustration and anxiety for me to come to that conclusion as well. So the sooner we can get there, like the better for everyone. But I can tell you that there, there, I have been around people um, in, in, again, previous roles where as a business owner, working in an industry, being in an industry associate, I remember coming, coming, uh, calling one of my partners from a meeting where we were at an industry association. And I, I won't, of course, share what the industry association was, but I literally called him at like 10 o'clock at night and said, I'm telling you, we're going to be rich. I, I'm listening to these people who are our competitors. I'm hearing them talk and I'm hearing them say these things. And these things that they're saying are so not productive. Like we are going to be rich. I remember, I'll never forget that phone call. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I, I might've woke him up out of bed. It was, just, I, I was just, it struck me that these people were, had an expectation of being successful. They were, they just had a list of things that they weren't going to do. And sometimes we don't have a verbal list we give, but we are just not willing to take the knowledge that is available to us and get better. And, and instead we kind of put that on other folks. So that's one of the big ones. The second one is identifying and avoiding our own biases. So uh, Charlie Munger has a, an entire speech he gave, I think it was 1995, somewhere around there to uh, Harvard law or just Harvard or something like that. And it's something like 25 or 24 um, biases and in that context, he's talking about like biases that also help sell, like there's social proof and things like that. He, he used different words than we, we use now, but you know, we know now about part of the reason reviews work so well is because it's social proof. And he so he talks about things like that that are not negative necessarily. So I'm not I'm not meaning to conflate the two things, um, but he also talks a great deal about identifying um, when our own bias is not leading us down a, a good path. So. Uh, identifying when something is actually likely to, ha likely to happen or not likely to happen versus this thing ho is hopefully going to happen because that's what I want. Like identifying when those things are different is a crucial skill in business and, and in life, of course, also. But being honest and open to really trying to find the truth. When is this thing that I want to happen just a thing I want to happen, but it's not really likely versus this is a thing that that is very likely to happen and, and I'm removing my own biases. Um, I, I can't, like the list of times I've learned this, this lesson the hard way are, it, 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 we don't have time in this episode for me to go through. You've heard me talk about how I've learned this with marketing. We spent an obscene amount of money, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing that didn't work. And, and looking back now, our strategy was completely hope. Hope was our strategy. Like he was very clear looking back, like, how could you think this was going to work? And the answer is because we wanted it to. That's how we thought it was going to work is because we really wanted it to work. When I, uh, I used to do a different version of a podcast where I would interview business owners who had been successful and I would ask them, you know, basically a handful of questions like, 
what would you tell other business owners to, to do to learn from things you did well? And basically, what would you tell other business owners to learn from things you didn't do well? The number one thing, I think all but one or two of the guests I ever had on that podcast, the number one thing that they all said was their biggest mistake was keeping employees too long. So, or keeping poor employees too long. And so I look at this ex- example again, like there's employees I look back now, it's like, of course they weren't going to make it. There was no chance they were going to make it. What would make you think that they were going to make it? Well, because I really wanted them to. That's why. <laughs> and it's just, it's again, in hindsight, you're just like, of course it wasn't going to work. But it would have meant I would have had to do other things. And I would have had to not work that late that day to figure out how we're going to put the ad. And I got to do that instead of this. And there's all these reasons, right? Um, so employees not making it or who are never going to make it is another example uh, there's times where customers were were right about something. I was really resisting. Uh, you know, there's times where people are like, hey, uh, this isn't working. I'm like, no, this is the way it's got to be. And then in hindsight, like, why did it have to be that way? Well, because that's what I wanted. <laughs> that's why, because I had a, a bias towards having it that way. Um, people of all kinds, not changing poor behaviors. You know, this could be customers not paying their bills. Like I, I promised from here, from, you know, this moment forward, I'm going to pay my bills on time. And then. Three months later, you're having the same. You're having the same conversation on the same phone with the same person, and their their you know their invoice is thirty days late. And you're like, I thought we covered this. Like this wasn't going to happen. Well, you know, this time it's my my dog ate my checkbook or whatever it is. Learning that people who just have these patterns of behaviors are not going to change these patterns of behaviors. Like, um, but again, it, my bias was towards that they that they would of course because it was it would make my life easier if they would just change versus acknowledging. Um, they weren't going to change. You know, another, another example, sticking with broken processes for too long because I thought the time it would take to fix the process that was broken was a bigger hassle than fixing the consequences of the broken process. You know, we, we go through this where it's like, well, yeah, I know this thing isn't working, but I just, I just take care of it when it's not working. And that seems like an easier or better solution than actually figuring out why the process is broken and fixing that. And of course, that's not scalable. We know that, but we don't know how to write procedures. We don't know how to develop processes. We don't write the questions asked, and we we don't we don't know the stuff. So, our our bias tells us it's okay that we continue on this path. When of course it's not okay to continue down that path. Of course we can't do it that way. Uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger's partner, has also uh, said that one of the best things, and I think he did say specifically here, small business owners. But one of the best things small business owners can do is to learn to fail fast, meaning identify when something is not going to work as soon as possible. The sooner we figure out this thing is really not going to work. And part of that is removing our own bias and removing our own desires for the outcome versus what is the pragmatic, like real honest truth here. And so I think that those are the two things that I would say out of the countless hours of audio um, that, that Charlie Munger has put out. And again, I just think he's a fantastic guy to listen to. I really like his, his humor. I like his pragmatism. I like that he's, you know, a Midwestern kind of traditional guy who just uh, did really well. He had tons of adversity he had to overcome in life. He was not handed billions of dollars by any stretch. Um, super smart guy. And, and then later in life, just like super generous in helping people. I just think he's a fantastic guy. If you've never listened to him, I would definitely recommend carving out some time uh, to, to listen to some of the things he says. I think he's really brilliant. Anyhow, um, again, 
the question for us then is, so what is our plan to learn and gain new knowledge and skills? Like what, what's our plan to do that? It's one thing to talk about things like, I know what, what got me here won't get me there. That's, it's one thing to say that stuff, but what is our actual plan? What's our strategy? What are we actually doing? What's the actions we're taking to gain new knowledge and skills? And how are we learning to identify and overcome biases that are likely to lead us down an unproductive path? I think those are two things that that we should always be aware of. Add that to your list of 63 things to be aware of for sure. I know that there's a long list of those kinds of things, but I think that these are a couple that uh, along these two can work. You can kill two birds with one stone. You can do this, these two things and other things and uh, make a lot of progress here. So I think we can all shorten our learning curve by taking uh, suggestions given by those who have accomplished a great deal in their lives. And Charlie Munger certainly qualifies as a guy who did that. He had many, there's tons of stuff. I think these are just two that are, I think are in my view are, are absolutely massive. So thank you, Charlie, for being an absolute legend and learning and dispensing invaluable business uh, knowledge. Thank you for taking the time to do all that. Uh, again, he's just, I think he's a great guy. So check him out if you haven't had a chance and ask yourself these two questions. What am I doing to continue learning new skills and abilities? And what am I doing to identify and overcome the biases that are likely to lead me down an unproductive path? So that's it for this week. I'll talk to you all next week.